are worlds between our own, and from these worlds there are written histories, both ancient and modern. To read of these testaments scrawled in hidden places and on other things, you must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you, and if successful, your gaze will unlock the door behind raw imagination and meet the manuscript of innumerable folios known as the Dark Darkness. Hello, I'm Shark Child, and this is the Dark Verse. Testaments scrawled in hidden places and on the things, with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you in the visions of your sleep. I am here finally to give you some 2014 horror. And uh, just before I do, I'd like to let you know the Dark Verse Volume 3, Beyond the Grip of Time, is just about completed. I have sent all the files to the printer, and it just needs to be printed and then shipped across the Pacific Ocean to Long Beach, where then I can go and pick it up with my truck and sell it to everybody. So keep an eye out uh, for when that happens. It should be a date in early May. Um, that the Dark Verse Volume 3 will become available. It's pretty cool. It has some insane artwork from John Stifter, and uh, I changed the layout a little bit on how the stories start uh, and how they mingle with the artwork. It's pretty cool. Um, you can check that uh, some samples out on my Kickstarter page if you want to. Um, otherwise, let's get into a fresh story. This is episode 86 of the Dark Verse, and it is entitled Dominance by Devouringness. On an early afternoon, as I sat on a bench in Stebley Park reading the book The Itinerant Life of Chiak, and as the glow of sunlight amplified the surroundings, the freshly manicured lawns, the crisp hedges, the brilliant daisy fields, and the flourishing oak trees, giving them a surreal accent. I struck up a conversation with a woman who by some oddity found it fitting to sit beside me. Her auburn hair and blue eyes only did more to catch the light and amplify the day's luster. With her were her two children, an infant boy inside a carriage, and a little girl in a pink dress of about four years of age. Both of them shared the same vibrant features of their mother. It was just such a day to make conversation with strangers and enjoy the qualities of a resplendent afternoon. We spoke of her children and husband and of my eccentric endeavors, my specialization within the field of teleportation, including my feeble attempts at summarizing the book I held between my hands. Though our lives were noticeably polar, our conversation excelled through laughter, understanding, and positivity. Surprisingly, throughout our engagement, the children were cooperative and made few interruptions. It has been an absolute pleasure 
but I must be off, I said, and I must say, you have such well-behaved children, I concluded while I reached out with my right hand and stroked the infant boy's head, leaving upon him the scent of Tybarca, a mark of consumption excreted from the tip of my index finger by a spell whispered beneath the thoughts of my consciousness. I then clasped the mother's left hand between both of my own and shook it before touching the head of the little girl all while smiling cheerfully. To both of them I gave the touch of Dimora sleep, sending them instantly into hollow slumbers void of the color of dream. I stood and walked off with the infant boy and his carriage. I diverted off a pathway that cut through the park and trod onto a sea of grass. I walked until the lawn met the outer boundaries of the park, a dense lining of oak trees and ground-consuming ivy. Through the ivy I went until I was several trees deep with the child. There we waited until a dark gray cloaked figure appeared from further in the umbrage. A low, resonating hum emanated from its presence, one like the mysterious murmur from an idling machine, or the reverberating of a loose relic within a structure. The cloak was plain, and covered the wearer from head to toe. There were no hands to be seen and no face to reveal visage within the darkness harbored by the hood's overhang. It walked to the carriage, bent over, draping its hood down over the child, and sucked the infant within. When the figure stood, the child was gone. Then it walked off to whence it came, trailed by its haunting drone. I called on a different spell of consumption, this time audibly, and the ivy came to life and pulled the empty carriage downward, devouring it until it was no more. It had been a pleasant and unexpected afternoon. I had simply desired to read my tome on the histories of Master Traveler Triax's world hurdling. But while satisfying my inquiring mind with that verbose pleasure, a unique opportunity was bestowed upon me. The infant child was my ninth offering to the gut that month. Many things go missing. They vanish without a trace whisked away by a deranged mage, or covered over by grand wilderness in the midst of adventure. I was a conductor of such happenings ever since I had slid through the Ermog's gaping hood, the portal mouth of the moving, cognizing, and humming cloaked monster of unholy savoriness, and arrived in the gut. In the midst of a journey from my village to the markets of Terramore, I stopped for a rest on the beach of Lake Orzok. I lay down on the crystalline sand and fell asleep. I awoke for but an instant before an ermog dragged its hooded jowl along my helpless body. I was abducted so swiftly that the grunt of my surprise did not even find its way to the world I had once been in. My utterance and I arrived in a dark, damp, slumgolion of fluids and bubbling oozes. Around me, foreign liquid intermittently erupted from different unseen orifices, igniting a brief flash of translucent, glowing red light. The liquid splashed from below and above, beside me and behind me. Creatures that moved only in the darkness hissed and gurgled from unknown depths. My feet sunk into a substance of strange flexibility, molded by its stretchy, rubber-like consistency. 
The insidious impression of the place surrounding me was terrifying. Its full extent could not truly be felt, experienced, or feared within the bounds of perception, for I had not the capacity to understand the dread of the place I occupied. In mortifying insignificance, I called out to this unsacred place. I begged of it to use me for its proliferation rather than destroy me in the horrific ways I could only then imagine. As my cries were shrouded by the entrenching sounds of the horrid domain, I began to sink into the strange surface beneath me. My cries amplified. I knew not what fate awaited me below. I lunged. I clawed and I screamed, but there was no effort within my capability that could afford me escape. I feared the worst as my head descended below the surface. I took several panicked breaths before I could breathe no longer. The taste of the thick fluids entered my mouth and gagged me. Death's imminence rippled throughout my body. Just as consciousness was about to fail me, a pocket of space opened up around my face. My limbs and the rest of my body remained restrained within the coils of the ensnaring terrain. Until a steady rhythm of breath returned to me, I did not even know that life was still mine to behold. Then, within this small cavity of blackness, a violet light appeared. It fluttered around this limited space in every direction, testing its boundaries before it ceased in movement at the pinnacle of my vision. Its light retreated enough for me to see an oval-shaped specimen the size of a fingertip, with a chattering mouth full of deep, violet-coned teeth that clashed together over and over. The vulgar thing had no eyes or other orifices. A halo of glowing light hovered around the top of its form, just above its mouth, the medium from which the creature capsule controlled its brightness. Just as I had fully examined the capsule, it ceased its chattering and went dark. Its halo of light then began to flash rapidly, creating a fierce cadence of violet bursts. Within these violent flashes, the capsule opened its mouth and began a process of inverting itself, extending its teeth out and around as it outwardly consumed its own mass. When its new form had completed its transformation, the sequence light steadied and again became constant. The creature capsule was now fully covered with its deep violet cone teeth. For another moment, this detestable entity loomed at the forefront of my vision, suggesting an intensity of size that it did not hold. Then, suddenly, it lashed itself into my mouth, breaking through and scarring my lips. As the creature capsule embraced the back of my throat, the halo shattered like brittle sand before the teeth of its flesh dragged along my esophagus all the way until its end point in the pit of my stomach was attained. The appetite of the gut was then mine. The hunger for knowledge, for life, for flesh. Not as sustenance, but for sovereignty and consequence of ingestion. To invoke dominance by devouringness was its sole and macabre purpose, a purpose from which it received tremendous pleasure. There were creatures that fed on flesh, and there were creatures that leached upon flesh, but the gut explicitly consumed to invoke metaphysical authority. 
I understood its desire and worshipped its Kabbalistic religion. Its iniquity and sinistrous philosophy held no quarrel within the inner compass of my new ethical alignment. The gut allowed me to live, and I would help it, and by helping it, I would augment my worth, a worth based upon the perspective of arcane consumption. I was regurgitated out of the substance that had enveloped me, and when I was again able to stand on my feet, I noticed a path of light had been laid out for me to follow upwards through a cavernous shaft above. More of the creature capsules came and fluttered around me, giving greater illumination to the surrounding area. I began to climb up a wall not far from me that led up to the tunnel. The wall's composition was identical to that of the ground, and by lunging my arms and feet into it, I was able to anchor and propel myself higher and higher, as if stepping upon the rungs of a ladder. Over a great amount of time, I was able to reach the peak of the ascending shaft. At its end was an opening into an expanse of blackness riddled with twinkling white lights. The lights looked to spread across incalculable distances. With an inquisitive hand, I reached into this mysterious region. My hand entered a gelatinous fluid that as I touched it, it itself reached down further and latched upon me, pulling me up into it. I was carried through the black jelly at an extraordinary speed. The lights fell away and streaked into lines as I traveled beyond a velocity of perception. Just as I was about to lose myself to suffocation, I returned to the daylight of Lake Orzok, falling upon my stomach on translucent sand. I turned around to see an ermog standing above me. It was still for a moment before it swiftly trod off into cover. With deep, reflective, meditative steps, I returned to the bench in Stebley Park where the mother and her daughter of auburn hair emptily slept. I sat beside them and reopened my book, enjoying for a time the theories that played upon my complex thoughts. Once the gleaning of this articulate work grew wearisome and the sun had nested beyond the horizon, I decided to return home. Using the portal magic of the airmogs under the cover of the night, I cast the spell of mouth travels, sending the sleeping mother and daughter directly to my residence. I returned home eagerly and immediately entered the kitchen. Upon a large rectangular counter strewn with hexes and powerful glyphs lay both the mother and her daughter. Beside them I placed my copy of the itinerant life of Triac. Methodically, I began tearing out the pages of the book I had read, eating them piece by piece. I savored each bite as I consumed and destroyed these fragments of enlightened parchment. When I had finished my appetizer, I obtained my cleaver, looked down upon the placid, slumbering females, and smiled. That concludes episode 86 of The Dark Verse. You can listen to and or download all of the past episodes on iTunes or at thedarkverse.com. Until next time.
All stories on the Darkverse are the sole property of Shark Child and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love. <laughs>